Good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnell. This is the Ken Hudnell Show. Coming to you from our studios <coughs> right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, this is January 29th, 29th day of the new year. 336 days remain to the years over with. Holidays and observances. National Bubble Wrap Day. Freethinkers Day. Cremergence Day. National Corn Chip Day. National Carnation Day. National Puzzle Day. Snow Sculpting Week. Birthdays today is Tom Selleck, Catherine Ross, Sarah Gilbert, Adam Lambert, and William McKinley. Veganary Month, Thyroid Awareness Month, National Slow Cooking Month, Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, Bread Machine Baking Month, National Skating Month, January, Dry January, National Blood Donor Month, Manuary, International Brain Teasers Month, uh, National Clean Up Your Computer Month, National Soup Month, Get Organized Month. International Creativity Month, uh, Celebration of Life Month, National Oatmeal Month, National Be Kind of Food Servers Month, National Hot Tea Month, National Birth Defects Month, Awareness Month, Get a Balanced Life Month, and National Hobby Month. <coughs> well, there's a number of interesting things in the news. You know, there's a individual named Kavanaugh, my wife watches on uh, YouTube, and he plays the piano in various London locations. And a few days ago, he was playing along, and a Chinese communist, I guess political officer, just had a total meltdown that uh, his people weren't allowed to play the piano. And then when uh, he thought Kavanaugh was going to touch one of the young ladies that was with him, he just went ranting and raving about him being a pedophile, and people started yelling, don't shoot him, don't shoot him. Over 80 million people have looked at the video. The police showed up and made him erase his own video, but everybody else had filmed it. Now, while the police thought they had the right to order him to erase his video to make the uh, Chinese communist uh, individuals uh, happy, is anybody's guess. But uh, my guess is that political officer is now in a concentration camp someplace. He has turned it into a total farce. And new research shows that Oreos are just as good as Stanton drugs for helping your issues. And I just got word that the in the war with Ukraine, between Russia and Ukraine, the Russian Third Army has just surrendered en masse to the Ukrainians. It's absolutely unbelievable. All right. On this date in history... 
In the year 904, Sergius III is elected pope. He came out of retirement to take over the papacy after the deposed anti-pope Christopher. <coughs> In 946, Caliph al blinded and deposed by Muiz al-Dawah, the ruler of the Bayid Empire, succeeded by al-Muti as Caliph of the Abbasid Caliphate. 1814, War of the Sixth Coalition. France defeats Russia and Prussia in the Battle of Breen. 1819, Stamford Raffles lands on the island of Singapore. 1845, The Raven is published in the Evening Mirror in New York, the first publication with the name of the author, Edgar Allan Poe. 1850, Henry Clay introduces the Compromise of 1850 to the U.S. Congress. That was a package of separate bills passed by Congress in September 1850 temporarily diffused tensions between slave and free states in the years leading up to the Civil War. Designed by Whig Senator Henry Clay and Democratic Senator Stephen Douglas with the support of President Millard Fillmore, compromise centered on how to handle slavery in the newly acquired territories in the Mexican-American War. <coughs> Excuse me. It also approved California's request to enter the Union as a free state, uh, strengthened fugitive slave laws with the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, banned the slave trade in Washington, D.C., but it still allowed slavery itself to be there, defined northern and western borders for Texas while establishing a territorial government for the territory of New Mexico, and it established a territorial government for the territory of Utah with no restrictions on whether any future state from this territory would be free or slave. 1856, Queen Victoria issued a warrant under the Royal Sig Manual that establishes the Victoria Cross to recognize acts of valor by British military personnel during the Crimean War. 1861, Kansas is admitted as the 34th U.S. state. 1863, the Bear River Massacre, a detachment of California volunteers led by Colonel Patrick Edward Connor engaged the Shoshone at the Bear River in Washington Territory, killed hundreds of men, women, and children. Yep, one thing about the California volunteers, they were very brave fighting women and children. 1886, Carl Benz patents the first successful gasoline-driven automobile. 1891, Liliu Kalani is proclaimed the last monarch and only queen regnant of the Kingdom of Hawaii. 1907, Charles Curtis of Kansas becomes the first Native American U.S. Senator. 1911, Mexican Revolution. Mexicali is captured by the Mexican Liberal Party, igniting the Veganista Rebellion of 1911. 1918, Ukrainian-Soviet War. The Bolshevik Red Army, on its way to besiege Kiev, is met by a small group of military students at the Battle of Kruli. The uh, took place uh, near Kruli railway station. Um, the Ukrainian forces had the first student company. Um, 
116 soldiers split into four platoons. There was a cadet corps, the first Ukrainian military school of Bodan Kamenitsky and the Haluka Free Cossacks, and a uh, cavalry detachment. An ad hoc armed train consisted of an artillery gun on a flat car and an armored train. The uh, Bolshevik forces um, totaled about 4,000 men. Uh, there were about 400 of the Ukrainian uh, forces, of whom 300 were students. The uh, Let's see, does it say... Well, it doesn't say actually who won. <coughs> no. A strategic Ukrainian People's Republic victory. The capture of Kiev was delayed and enabled the Ukrainian government to conclude the peace treaty abreast the office. We had a similar situation during the Civil War with students from the Citadel Military College of South Carolina. Uh, taking on Union forces. All right, 1918, Ukrainian-Soviet War. Armed uprising organized by the Bolsheviks in anticipation of the encroaching Red Army begins at the Kiev arsenal, which uh, be put down six days later. 1936, the first inductees into the Baseball Hall of Fame are announced. 1940, three trains on the Messinian line uh, present... Uh, present uh, Sekirohima line in Osaka, Japan, collide and explode while approaching the Ajikawakuchi station. 181 people are killed. 1943, World War II, first day of the Battle of Reno Island. USS Chicago is torpedoed and heavily damaged by Japanese bombers. 1944, World War II, about 38 people are killed, a dozen injured when the Polish village of Konyuchi uh, is attacked by Soviet partisan units. It's in uh, Lithuania presently. Uh, 1944, World War II in Bologna, Italy. The anatomical theater of the Archigonasa is completely destroyed in an air raid. 1959, the first Melo de Feast to Valen is held in circus in Stockholm, Sweden. 1973, Egypt Air Flight 741 crashes into the Karenia Mountains in Cyprus, killed 37 people. 1983, Singapore cable car crash. Panamanian registered oil rig Iniwitak strikes the cables of the Singapore cable car system linking the mainland and Satosha Island, causing two cabins to fall into the water and Killed seven people, left 13 others trapped for hours. 1989, Cold War. Hungary establishes diplomatic relations with South Korea, making it the first Eastern Bloc nation to do so. 1991, Gulf War. Battle of Kafihi, the first major ground engagement of the war. Well, as the deadliest begins between Iraq and Saudi Arabia. 
1996, President Jacques Chirac announces definitive end to French nuclear weapons testing. 2001, thousands of student protesters in Indonesia storm parliament, demand the president uh, Abdurrahman Wahid resign due to alleged involvement in corruption scandals. That's another case of allegation equals guilt. 2002, in his State of the Union address, President George W. Bush describes regimes that sponsored terrorism and axis of evil, in which he includes Iraq, Iran, and North Korea. 2005, the first direct commercial flights from mainland China to Guangzhou and to Taiwan since 1949 arrive in Taipei. Shortly after that, a Chinese Airlines flight lands in Beijing. 2008, an Egyptian court rules that people who don't adhere to one of the three government-recognized religions will not be allowed to list any belief outside of those three, but they're still eligible to receive government identity documents. 2009, Government of Illinois, Rod Lagozhevik uh, is removed from office following his conviction of several corruption charges, including solicitation of personal benefit in exchange for an appointment to the U.S. Uh, Senate to replace then-U.S. President-elect Barack Obama. 2013, SCAT Airlines Flight 760 crashes near Kazakh city of, uh, the Kazakh city of Almaty, Killed 21 people. 2014, Rojava conflict. The Afrin Canton uh, declares its autonomy from the Syrian Arab Republic. 2017, a gunman opens fire at the Islamic Cultural Center in Quebec City and kills six wounds 19 others in a shooting spree. And in 2020, during the COVID-19 pandemic, Trump administration establishes the White House Coronavirus Task Force under Secretary of Health and Human Services Alex Azar. Okay, when we finished our last show, we were talking about ESP, extrasensory perception. Now, we all know that humans have five senses. That's the way our body and mind perceive the physical world. And they're seeing, hearing, touching, tasting, and smelling. Now, ESP stands for extrasensory perception. (coughs) Um, which is generally defined as a specific ability to perceive information beyond that of the traditional senses. I know by definition ESP is something beyond the senses. It's frequently called the sixth sense. Now within the ESP category, there are six nuanced areas of non-physical perception. That's telepathy. That's the ability to communicate directly from mind to mind. Precognition, the ability to perceive the future. (coughs) Retrocognition, that's the ability to perceive the past. Um, And that's the past unknown to the person who is uh, demonstrating this ability. Telekinesis, that's the ability to move physical objects with the power of the mind, and clairvoyance. That's the ability to see information about an object, a person, scenario, location, or event in the past, present, or future. And psycho, uh, psychometry, ability to perceive information by touching objects. I've known several people with that ability. 
Well, about two-thirds of the U.S. population believes in ESP, as according to online publication uh, Live Science. Despite the fact that the body of scientific research attempting to explore ESP has consistently shown it doesn't exist, even in one of the most well-publicized research uh, success stories, uh, the study participants only performed uh, 3% better than pure chance by uh, choosing the correct items. So even going beyond the uh, criticism of the study's methodology, uh, critics argue that 3% is hardly a, an impressive margin. If ESP were real, if ESP were real it'd be a far greater uh, improvement over just random guessing. You know, Life Science notes that most people that believe in ESP base their beliefs on experiences in their own lives, not tricks performed by others. People experience visions of events that later happen or prophetic dreams and can um, predict events or phone calls from certain people. Of course, according to a lot of science, cognitive bases likely ex- biases likely explain uh, these accounts. In their example, getting a phone call from somebody within a few minutes of thinking about that person is likely pure coincidence. And uh, the willingness to attribute um, psychic ability to that is just inherently biased. But this perspective also creates a no-win scenario for ESP. Even if someone consistently thinks of a person just before that person calls, lending credibility to the anecdotal experience of ESP, it's always dismissed as pure chance. And though there's no meaningful scientific evidence for ESP, it, uh, since it can't be replicated in a laboratory or in the context of a research experiment, reducing ESP to the task of selecting the correct item in a study may not have anything to do with ESP or as an experienced phenomena. Some researchers do insist on its non-existence because it defies our uh, current understanding of the laws of time and space. Others think it's our understanding that needs to evolve. Or even consistent ESP-like uh, experiences simply result of coincidence or uh, cognitive um, bias. Yeah. Maybe. Well, most people, when they are dealing with haunted houses and ghosts and what have you, report something known as cold spots. There are areas of unexplained cold temperatures uh, that are usually associated with the presence of ghosts. Cold is simply one end of the spectrum of thermal energy. Now, spirits don't bring cold to a place or emit coldness, according to uh, paranormal news sites. Because that's impossible. Coldness is just the absence of heat. Just as darkness is the absence of light. Nothing emits darkness. It's just a state of existence without light. Um, It's been explained that the prevailing theory in paranormal circles is that ghosts require tremendous energy to engage with the physical world. So they absorb that uh, energy from whatever resources are handy. That explains cold spots and why batteries and lights can sometimes go out in the presence of ghosts. It also explains why only one person may feel the cold spot and why a thermometer won't register it. 
The ghost is drawing out and using thermal energy directly from one person, not from the expanding, uh, the surrounding atmosphere. According to the Farmer's Almanac, a long-standing resource for all things climatic and weather-related, the skeptics uh, have pointed out that this theory violates the laws of thermodynamics. Since thermal energy can't be created or destroyed, there should be a hot spot near wherever there's a cold spot. Of course, one explanation is the body's natural response to fear is similar to the experience of being cold. So many people feel notably cold when they're afraid. Also explain how any one person will be aware of the supposed cold spot during a potential paranormal encounter. You know, the, when you're looking at all the various... Uh, aspects that have been reported in regard to ghosts and haunting. Another one is the Ouija board. And I've had people tell me there's nothing to it. I've had people tell me they swear by it. So the question becomes, are Ouija boards real? And the answer would probably be both yes and no. Researchers have confirmed that the planchette, that's the what you rest your fingers on while asking questions, does seem to move around on its own without any concert effort from the participants. Baltimore Magazine did a study on that. Researchers have also confirmed that accuracy is greater when using a Ouija board than when randomly guessing the answer to a question. And the reason for this is what BBC News has identified as the ideomotor effect, which is a real phenomenon in which people can remain fully and generally unaware of their role in causing an action. Researchers believe this is possible because the subconscious acts as the guide directing the, the movements behind the scenes of the conscious mind. And this means it could still be a very valuable tool if you're interested in tapping into the wisdom of your subconscious. But it is worth noting that even though your subconscious mind is the driver, some religious institutions, such as the Catholic Church, still take the official stance that uh, Ouija boards are real, dangerous, and shouldn't be used. However, these two positions are not necessarily mutually exclusive. You can understand the role of the subconscious and still believe some outside energy or force is influencing participants' subconscious thoughts as well. You know, it's uh, interesting that the uh, Catholic Church especially tries to direct what you should and shouldn't believe. You know, I've been doing this show in various forms for 40 years. I've had psychics. I've had tarot card readers. I've had everybody you can imagine on as a guest. And one question that no one has ever answered, and I've asked it a number of times, what do mediums do? Now, if you've heard of mediums, but have never worked with one, you'll likely question about what they are, how they differ from psychics, where they get their abilities, and how it all works. Well, as we try to answer that question, we're also going to look at why some people don't believe in medium psychic abilities, or consider them to be frauds. Now, in regard to the question of what's a medium, simple definition, somebody can connect with people who crossed over. That's according to the lifestyle site Goop. 
In other words, a medium is a living person who can communicate or connect with the dead. According to Marianne Michaels, who works as a spiritual medium, there are distinct differences between mediums and psychics. First off, all mediums are psychics, but not all psychics are mediums. According to her, psychics perceive and mediums receive. So in the question, uh, in regarding to the context of a session, what does that mean? Well, psychics use clairvoyant abilities to gather information from their spirit guides and tune into the energy of the person being read. They can interpret the past and the present, potentially provide predictions and or give interpretations of love and finance. Mediums have a stronger, more direct connection to a specific deceased person. According to Michaels, their their communicator between two worlds, able to provide closure and healing. Unlike psychics, mediums don't focus on a psychic or a prophetic reading. She also said the label medium is a crucial distinction. So somebody identifying as a psychic medium or a spiritual medium is still a medium, meaning they're part uh, of a link between two worlds. In fact, the most accurate medium I've ever come across. Former naval officer. He was so accurate, he was scary. (coughs) Now, I've had people ask me how you can become a medium. Um, Susan Growl, intuitive medium, explains becoming a medium requires both a natural ability and developing that skill. Mediums are born with some level of psychic ability that they can choose to lean into to understand, develop, and maybe grow their skills. She also notes that people may have latent psychic ability they may not be aware of until they're older. So not every medium has the experience of growing up with the understanding that there's something unique about their abilities. Rather, many mediums continue to train and evolve their skills once they know their full potential. One of the most famous mediums in contemporary American culture is Teresa Caputo, also known as the Long Island Medium. She was aware of her abilities in the early age, but didn't understand the implications until she was in her late 20s. She said that from the age of four, she was able to connect with people who had passed. She said it was a big part of her uh, childhood. She thought everybody sensed and felt the same thing she did. And her skills have obviously proven successful. She grew a career into a Next level experience when she was signed on to start a TV show on TLC. You know, providing services as a medium is called doing a reading or a session, and the medium is understood to channel the energy and information from the deceased. Caputo explains the process of doing a reading is sensing and feeling things that mean nothing to me. All of a sudden, I feel like I can't breathe, or I'll feel like there's a Father energy present. Sometimes I see flashes. Or what seems like many film strips of signs and symbols. That's what allows me to uh, relay the message to somebody. She also clarifies that like other mediums, she only will allow positive messages. Other successful mediums include Tyler Henry, who has his own show on Netflix called Life After Death. <clears throat> 
June Field won International Battle of the Psychics, and Sylvia Brown, who was a best-selling author before her death in 2013. Dr. Matteo Barini, a forensic anthropologist by day and a magician by night, used his in-depth knowledge of illusion as part of an interesting experiment for Liverpool John Moore's uh, University to demonstrate psychic abilities such as psychometry, dowsing, reading, and mediumship. An audience was polled to before and after one of his performances, and his illusions proved so convincing that over the course of the performance, skeptics became believers and Believers came thoroughly convinced. However, after Barini was asked to reveal his secrets, which he did, in the name of research, new audience scores uh, show they were completely deflated afterwards. But his widely successful ability to initially convince his audience he had genuine psychic abilities is why Barini thinks it's vital for people to understand how psychics use many of the tricks of conjurers, uh, not to entertain people, but to Milk personal drama, such as uh, recent loss. Barini and the researchers running this particular experiment are alone in this sentiment, of course. There have been numerous debunkers over the years, many with successful outcomes. Um, but there are plenty of people who point out that uh, proving that one person's fake um, and can fake the talents of a psychic or that a certain psychic is a fraud didn't universally disprove the existence of psychic communications, and that's eminently true. You know, one of the best-known medium busters, if you want to call it that, was Harry Houdini. Known as a world-class illusionist from the early 20th century, he uh, had a remarkable career and left a legacy that makes him an icon even today. But according to Smithsonian Magazine, the official publication of the Smithsonian Institution, the endeavor he was most passionate about was campaigning against magic. He believed uh, very strongly that spiritualism was a fraud and was determined to expose it. Now, spiritualism at the time was a popular religious practice. It uh, favored seances and mediums and communications with the deceased. Um, Houdini blasted apart some of his friendships uh, held debunking demonstration, even testified before Congress, all in an attempt to end what he saw as the exploitation of people through tricks and illusions. Within six months of his desperate plea on Capitol Hill, Houdini died from a ruptured appendix on Halloween in 1926. Now, not to be outdone, a few of the mediums he disparaged in the final leg of his life took the opportunity of his death to profess their prior knowledge he was soon to be among the dearly departed with one even declaring that she warned him. Now, while Houdini would have preferred that his enduring legacy was putting it into mediums, his illusions went out in the end. According to Smithsonian Magazine, Houdini failed to appreciate that Americans cherish the freedom to be duped. Or a less cynical perspective might be that people appreciate the hope of connection, no matter how slight it might be. Well... For 20 years, from 1999 to 19 to 2020, I did ghost tours in and around El Paso. And I've seen people show up with more equipment than I had when I was in the field with the Army. 
So I guess now we're going to talk about how to gear up for a ghost hunt. From flashlights to motion detectors, uh, there's something for almost any encounter. Now, let me be clear that a ghost hunt is different than a ghost tour. Whether planning to go it alone or with a group, if you're ready to take your apparition aspirations to the next level, you'll need the right equipment. So I'm going to give you a list so you can run out. Most of it's available at Amazon, I think. <coughs> now, you should be able to source most of this uh, basic gear from your home. And it's true if you're going with a group of people, somebody uh, is likely to have what you're missing. You're going to start out with your smartphone. Now, we know you never leave home without the phone, but for reasons we can't explain, Road Trippers is a source for curated travel guides, warns that the many people leave it at home and regret it. Maybe in the haste of packing up a lot of other things, it may seem superfluous or you may just overlook it. Beyond its importance as a communications tool, it's also a flashlight, a digital recorder, and a still and a video camera. Now, it's recommended you keep it in airplane mode when using it as a recorder to lessen frequency interference. Then Road Trippers also recommends over-the-head noise-canceling uh, headphones. You use those for the playback. Now, Haunted Rooms America, a guide to ghost hunts at famous locations, explained that uh, digital cameras are used to capture paranormal activity in addition to documenting the experience itself. And, of course, you can't leave home without your flashlight. And taking several is a good idea. And if you're going to use night vision equipment, use a red lens. Now, a digital audio recorder, which you can use your phone for or invest in a higher-quality standalone unit. Next is a walkie-talkie. Now, some apps allow you to use your phone as a walkie-talkie. Now, you can't use it as a walkie-talkie and a recorder at the same time, but uh, you do have the capability of doing it. Notepad and pens. Um, you can use your phone for notes, but sometimes it's easier to just write it down. And Haunted Rooms America recommends keeping track of fluctuations of meter readings, anomalies on the camera, recordings, any other personal feelings you might experience. And, of course, extra batteries for all the different pieces of equipment you have. And then there's specialty gear. This gear probably have to be ordered. Even Amazon carries a lot of it, so it should be easy to obtain. A digital thermometer. You might have one at home for taking temperatures on the days you're sick, but the Road Trippers advises it uh, has to be capable of measuring ambient temps, not just take surface readings. Then the famed EMF meter. It detects electromagnetic fields, um, which has been described as a known attribute to paranormal activity. Then a night uh, vision or infrared camera. These present two uh, ways to capture dark images. One uses technology to uh, enhance the ambient light in the picture. 
The other uses technology to capture images using thermal or heat energy. And then Haunted Rooms America recommends adding a motion detector to a camcorder with night or um, infrared uh, capabilities. You can set up the cameras and motion detectors in one location while you explore another. Well, there's also the question that I've had people ask me. Where do you find a ghost? On El Paso, I delved into the history so much, I knew a lot of the stories. And when I came out with my books, those would-be ghost hunters took my books, memorized the stories, started doing their own tours. Um, and attacked me for interfering with their business, which I found absolutely silly. Well, if you're a fan of phantoms, you get excited about the idea of ghouls or you appreciate the apparitions of the world, you probably want to increase the likelihood of having a supernatural encounter. And the best way to do this is to spend time in the spaces and places that ghosts seem to frequent. Now, almost every town has a spooky story or two. But we're going to talk about um, a few of the most haunted that are notable in the paranormal world. We're going to take you on a tour throughout the northeast, the south, the west, even up into Canada. Highlight the best places to stay and dine and visit. We're going to go from Civil War battlefields to Pennsylvania to pizza joints in Oregon. Well, let's talk about the haunted cities of the Northeast. That includes battlefields and murder scenes and witch trials. <coughs> because the colonists first arrived in the Northeast and only later spread out uh, south and west, the Northeastern U.S. has a long and rich colonial past. And with that comes ghosts. Uh, from Pennsylvania through New York into Massachusetts... We're going to take a quick peek at some of the haunted sites. Now, the rolling hills of southern Pennsylvania offer a pristine landscape of uh, seasonal splendor that uh, bring up feelings of tranquility. But tucked away amid uh, farmlands and pastures and forests of Pennsylvania is Gettysburg. That is a... Um, Small town near the Maryland border. It's the site of the brutal Battle of Gettysburg, a pivotal three-day Civil War struggle that caused an overwhelming carnage. Many as 51,000 soldiers from both armies were killed, wounded, captured, or missing in that three-day battle. The battle's historical and political implications are tremendous and, frankly, worth the trip to Gettysburg to explore. Not only the battlefield, but the ghost as well. In fact, in Pickett's Charge, uh, three of my ancestors were involved. Almost wiped out the family. For more than 150 years, Gettysburg has been the site of pervasive paranormal activity. It's one of the most haunted locations in the U.S., according to the informational website Civil War Ghost. 
In fact, haunted spots in Gettysburg are quite literally everywhere. Civil War Ghost compiled uh, a list of the top uh, ten, which includes highlights like the uh, Gettysburg Hotel, Gettysburg College, Gettysburg National Cemetery, and the Devil's Den. The uh, Devil's Den, for those not familiar with it, is a rock formation that's believed to be the most paranormally active location on the entire Gettysburg battlefield. Visitors reported their cameras failing when photographing the site. It's believed that a disgruntled uh, Confederate soldier whose body was heartlessly staged in different positions around the battlefield by a Civil War photographer uh, prevents pictures from being taken. And if a photographer had uh, messed with your body, you'd probably be a little annoyed as well. Yet another well-known place is Amityville, New York, former home of the DeFeo family. Now, Long Island, New York, is a densely populated mass of suburbia. also houses two of the five boroughs of New York City, Brooklyn and Queens. It's known for its beaches, its vineyards, and its unique dialect, full of local character. It's also decided to one of the more legendary hauntings in America in the town of Amityville. Here in 1974, a 23-year-old man by the name of Ronald DeFeo Jr. murdered six members of his family with a gun. Ultimately convicted of the crimes, his defense claimed he'd been hearing voices before the murders. A new NYC ghost, a source for information on hauntings in the New York area, explains the home was purchased in 1975 by the Lutz family and quickly became the center of a nightmare of demonic happenings. So horrific that the Lutzes abandoned the house a year later. According to NYC ghosts, they left the house and every single one of their possessions behind. After a night of terror that they refused to describe in detail. Numerous books and movies and TV shows about this haunted location have been made. Paranormal investigators also flocked to the house with some chilling results being reported. One such investigation resulted in what's known as the Amityville Ghost Boy photo, which purports to capture the ghost of a six-year-old victim by the name of John DeFeo. Houses bought in 2017 by an anonymous buyer who changed the address and Requested privacy. The new owners have yet to report any paranormal occurrences. Then in Salem, Massachusetts, a place that most people have heard of, nestled on the Atlantic coast just north of Boston, it's known not because it's a beautifully uh, historic seaside New England town, but because of its uniquely morbid history as the site of the Salem Witch Trials in the late 17th century. According to Smithsonian Magazine, uh, Salem Woods trials occurred in Colonial, Massachusetts between uh, 1692 and mid-1693. More than 200 people were accused of practicing witchcraft, the devil's magic, and over 20 were executed. Smithsonian explains historians have attributed Salem's witchcraft hysteria to the community's tense socio-political environment at the time. Most of the accused were exonerated posthumously in 1711, but the final exoneration didn't come until uh, 2022 when Elizabeth Johnson Jr.'s name was um, finally cleared. More than 520, excuse me, more than 325 years after being falsely convicted and executed. How are you falsely executed, I wonder? Because of this history, Salem's long been a wildly popular destination around Halloween and is ripe with haunted history. Tour provider Salem Ghosts uh, lists the top 10 haunted locations throughout Salem. 
Among them are Wicked Good Books, The Salem Jail, The Witch House, and The Joshua Ward House. According to Salem Ghosts, the Joshua Ward House is one of the most haunted in Salem because it was built on the footprint of a home owned by George Corwin, a malicious sheriff who tortured victims of the witch trials. One of his victims, killed in a prolonged and cruel death, is said to have cursed him before taking her final breath, condemning his spirit to wander the earth for eternity. The uh, You might not expect the most haunted county in America to be uh, in the far southwest corner of Pennsylvania. That's along the West Virginia border. But few people can argue that Greene County doesn't deserve the title. National Association of Counties reports Greene County boasts oddities that span everything from reported ghostly hauntings to alleged alien invasions. Greene County Tourism website highlights a book written about the area. It's called Haunted Hills and Hollows, What Lurks in Greene County, Pennsylvania. It explores two stories of drifting ghosts and strange alien beings and Bigfoot and Dogman and Lizard Man and Black Blobs and Winged Humanoids and Spirits of the Land mysterious black-eyed people, and more, all of whom are said to roam the suburbs and wilds of Greene County. From a county asylum to a stretch of railroad where a man was decapitated to the site of a Native American massacre where a school bus driver reportedly heard the unexplained sounds of screaming, this county has no shortage of tragic sights. So naturally, they put together a self-guided tour you can take to check out many of the sites from the book. You can go to their website, visitgreen.org. Well, a place that I'm extremely familiar with is the South. And there's a lot of haunted cities in the South. Southern states are known for their sunshine and vegetation and warmth and charm. and It's a spirited region where live music and outdoor dining take center stage and... Uh, we can easily grow things to eat or get eaten by things that are growing if you're not careful. Southern states also host many haunted locales, including uh, three we're going to talk about. From the eastern shores of Georgia down to the historic streets of southeast Florida and the bayous of Louisiana. One of the most haunted cities in the south is said to be Savannah, Georgia. And if you're lucky enough to have strolled the hallowed streets of downtown Savannah, it's probably not hard to imagine that its uh, history is rich in hauntings. This southern gem is filled with artists and charm and misty mystique as plentiful as the southern live oaks dripping with Spanish moss. The city fully owns its spooky nature, touting itself as the most haunted city in America. Actually, I think El Paso is. We can't definitively say which city deserves that title, but we know for certain that Savannah is a worthy contender. For starters, the most famous pop culture offerings featuring Savannah is the widely successful book and movie, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, based on a real-life murder involving Savannah's upper-crust socialite uh, scene. Considered faction because it's a combination of both fact and fiction, the book's deeply ingrained part of the City's more salacious, spooky lore, allowing visitors a chance to tour the, the uh, key locations in the story. 
Beyond the book-related tours, the city's uh, identified six additional must-see haunted locales around town. The Hamilton Turner Inn, the Pirate's House Restaurant, the Moon River Brewing Company, and the Marshall House. Marshall House was named by the USA Today as one of the most best haunted hotels in the U.S., which isn't surprising given that Marshall House's rich history includes three different stints as a makeshift hospital. Visit Savannah advises dining and staying at another local inn, the 1790 Inn and Restaurant. Apparently, you might encounter the ghost of a woman scorned, a slave cook, or a servant boy. Then there are tours of these and other spectral uh, spectacles available all around town. Then there's St. Augustine, Florida. It's a... uh, So it has something most places in the U.S. don't. A colonial history dating back to 1565. It has cobblestone streets and a substantial number of palm trees. And with 450 years of history, the city's brimming with ghost stories. According to historical tour company Ghosts and Gravestones, the most haunted place in St. Augustine are the city's 19th century prison called the Old Jail, a 17th century fort called uh, Castillo de San Marcos, Spanish Military Hospital, Huguenot Cemetery, bed and breakfast called the Casablanca Inn, um, 17th century San Augustine Lighthouse. Tour company boasts of an unusually high level of paranormal energy and ghost sightings within the lighthouse and on the grounds. This piqued the interest of the TV show Ghost Hunters, which featured the lighthouse in an episode during which they uh, supposedly captured an apparition on film that many believed to be the old ghost, uh, old keeper's ghost. He said to be still watching over the lighthouse. This uh, lighthouse keeper, by the name of Joseph Andreu, reportedly fell to his death in 1859 while painting the lighthouse's uh, coquina walls made of a mixture of limestone and broken shells. It's also the location where the three young uh, Petit sisters, plus uh, a young African-American friend whose name is not known, drowned in 1873. Ghosts of these children are said to still haunt the grounds as well. Then, of course, what story about haunted cities would be complete without talking about New Orleans? The vibrant gumbo pot of a city, known for its exuberant nightlife and unique architecture, Creole cuisine, Mardi Gras festivities, and voodoo vibe. The spirit of Louisiana, home to the more literal kind of spirit. city calls itself, on its uh, tourism website, the most haunted city in the U.S. That's a battle we won't fight today. But anyone searching for goosebumps will find spooky places worth visiting in uh, New Orleans. Tourism site invites you to partake in a seance, tour a haunted cemetery, uh, a hotel or a restaurant or get to know its witches and warlocks, vampires and ghosts of every description. I will say I was spent some time around Malie Laveau's uh, grave and it was um, definitely an interesting feeling. According to Providence, the boutique hotel company that owns New Orleans' old number 77 hotel, one of the most uh, must-visit vi- must haunted locations in the, is the LaLaurie Mansion. Sign of the early 19th century torture became uh, inspiration for a season of American horror story, Coven, which Kathy Bates plays Madame Delphine LaLaurie, notorious for her wicked real-life cruelty. 
Other famously haunted spots include Bayou St. John, Jackson Square, the Charity Hospital Cemetery, uh, Pierre Antoine Alley. Providence uh, explains that the latter is the site of one of the oldest ghost stories in New Orleans. Legendary haunting arises from a 1769 incident when a newly appointed Spanish governor suppressed a rebellion by the city's French inhabitants, who had previously thwarted his predecessor, I might add. He killed the revolutionaries and piled their corpses in front of the cathedral along this alleyway to rot in the summer sun. Eventually, the local police retrieved and buried the bodies, leading the families in a funeral procession down the alley in a, the pouring rain, lightning, and thunder. Alley's most recognized ghost is Pierre Antoine himself, who can be seen walking in the early morning, humming church songs under his breath. Then, of course, we have the Limp Mansion in St. Louis, Missouri. It's a ghost hunter's dream. Online publication Legends of America details that members of the Limp family, uh, German immigrants who came to the city in 1838, started a massively successful brewing company. 1876, William Limp, an heir to the operation, bought this mansion from his father-in-law. It's connected to the brewery through underground tunnels and caves, which the Limp Haunted House Company explains are known as the Caves of St. Louis. Starting in 1901, when William's oldest son died in his 20s, the family appeared to become plagued by deaths, suicides, and cruelty, which many believe is a result of evil energy from the brewery or the underground caves. One of the ghosts, according to the Legend of America, was a child with Down syndrome who was supposedly locked away all alone in the attic. Additionally, Legends of America explains that there are three areas of the old mansion that had the most activity. The stairway, the attic, and what the staff refers to as the gates of hell in the basement. It's this underground area that used to serve as an entrance to the caves running below the mansion and the brewery. Today you can choose to tour the property in a historic or, or ghost tour Visit a haunted house staged at the brewery. Never know what you're going to run into. Well, <coughs> let's talk about haunted cities in the West and even up into Canada. Now, the West Coast is home to some terrifying stories. Apparitions in Northern California move up the coast to meet a few of the ghoulish folks to call Oregon home. Then leap back to the East and step into the spooky old town haunts of Quebec, Canada. Well, San Francisco is an exciting, progressive, funky metropolitan uh, metropolis that's pretty much falling apart now. It vibrates with the energy of its diverse global roots. Maybe not surprisingly, this bustling city of the Bay is also home to an eclectic mix of people, both living and dead. One of the most notoriously haunted spots in San Francisco is also one of the most famous, Alcatraz. Even before this rocky island became a maximum security penitentiary, it was already used as a place to break people's spirits. Beginning in 1859, when the U.S. government seized control of the island and used it to imprison 19 Hopi Indians who refused to give in to aggressive government tactics um, to Americanize them, according to the online publication Thrillist. Things only went downhill from there, and when it became a federal prison in 1934, it was designed to crush the souls of men. The ghosts that still haunt Eric Alcatraz today serve as a testament to how well that plan worked. Thrillist also recommends several other spooky locations to visit, including the Donaldina Cameron House in Chinatown, the Whittier Mansion, the Curran Theater, the Queen Anne Hotel, and the Atherton House. The Atherton House is a mansion in the Pacific Heights neighborhood known to be haunted by George, an heir to the Atherton family fortune. 
According to Thrillis, George was treated cruelly by his mother and his wife, so he sought peace by sailing to Chile along with his cousin. But not long into the trip, George died. Sailors on the ship decided to send his body back home stuffed in a barrel of rum. His alleged ghost, miserable in the mansion's confines, loudly provoked everybody who attempted to live there after him. Golden Gate Park's a site of several hauntings, including two spectral figures who have chilling interactions with park patrons. First is the ghost of a police officer who hands out tickets for traffic violations only for the falsely accused to later learn the officer has long been dead. That's pretty much the attitude we got with some of the local cops. Local law advises everyone to being followed by a police officer in the park to leave the park's perimeter before pulling over. Whether it's a living cop on your tail or a dead one, you'll know soon enough. Since he can't leave the park, the ghost cop will vanish when you leave the park uh, perimeter. The other roving ghost is a woman in white who said to have lost her baby in a drowning accident when the woman failed to notice the child's carriage rolled down here into the lake. Devastated by the tragedy, she also drowned herself. Her apparition runs the park looking for her baby to this day, even asking unsuspecting strangers if they've seen her. Well, on that note, we're done out of time. We'll finish up talking about haunted cities in our next show. Until then, Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.